Hi, everyone. Duncan Fletcher here. Uh, back for another PADS podcast. I'm here with my colleague, Stephanie Thorburn. Stephanie, how are you doing today? Doing great. Hope everyone is excited for another podcast that we're bringing to you the month of uh, July. It is July. How'd that happen, right? We were just talking about that. We're in July. We're super fortunate today to have our guest, Lindsay Long from Iowa. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. You work in a very interesting world. You're knee deep in student athletes, yet at the same time, you're also working very closely with those athletes that have already left sport and transitioned out and working on the alumni side. That pre pre presents kind of some interesting challenges, I'm sure. It does. And it's it's been really interesting to just learn more about the industry at large, especially with student athlete development, as I've gotten more involved there because my work started with letter winner engagement. So athletic alumni stewardship and cultivation and all of that. So now combining with student athlete development, it's opened a whole new set of challenges and opportunities. So that's interesting. Maybe we could just take a minute and have you talk a little bit about, like you said, what sort of brought you into the space originally, which is working with and engaging former student athletes. Can you talk a little bit more about that work, what you had to do, and, and what sort of your primary focus was as you were working with those athletes that had already left sort of the, the athletic realm? Sure. So um, if you don't mind, I'll just kind of start back to even like when I came to Iowa State as a student athlete, I came and played soccer here from 1999 to 2003. And in that time, there weren't these kinds of resources that student athletes have today as far as, you know, support for life after college and um, how to maximize your opportunities and resources, even academic support. All of those things are different today than they were when I played. And so what had led me to kind of the programming that we've implemented in here is the gaps in my story. So when I came back to, um, I never, I never left Ames, Iowa. So I'm originally from Colorado. I never thought I would stay. I met my husband here. He was on the track and field team. Uh, and so then we stayed in Ames. And so all my friends left, but I stayed. I didn't stay with the university. So I came back to the university in 2008 and I worked in student programs in the College of Engineering. So I had already started doing some of the work on a general student basis that I would have never connected or understood the opportunities that could connect my story and being a student athlete with what I'm doing today. So when I first came to uh, athletics back in 2012, 10 years ago, which is crazy to think, uh, I worked in special events and the Letter Winners Club. So those two areas supported any events outside of game day from just an engagement standpoint. So engaging donors, engaging athletic alumni, and the Letter Winners Club was a volunteer organization until 2007 when Jamie Pollard uh, came to Iowa State in 2005 and really started implementing more resources to support athletic alumni. You know, we're alumni longer than we're student athletes. So that understanding of how you take care of people is really important in life in general. And we do that for general student body at large because the colleges have resources and alumni officers and the foundation has officers. And there's a lot of people that help cultivate those relationships. But athletic alumni do require a little bit different cultivation and stewardship. And so when I started thinking through even just the connection of my story and I did my master's, I went back to school and got a second degree and I did my thesis on, you know, why, why athletic alumni don't give back philanthropically to the university the way that, you know, other students or other alumni do. 
it just opened the door to very interesting data. And so that led to visibility and how we really cultivate athletic alumni. So when I was in that space, there was a huge gap that we didn't develop relationships with our student athletes while they were here. And so how we could do that created either partnerships, you know, partnerships with academics, because at that time, student athlete development and life skills, when the NCAA instilled more resources of saying we need to mandate programming, we need to do all of these kinds of things, would fall under academics. And so we would partner and we would help fund um, different initiatives, but still we weren't developing those relationships with current student athletes. So in 2018, I had made a proposal to connect these two areas. So connecting student athlete engagement or student athlete development, um, life skills programming, and the Letter Winners Club. So both the special event side and the Letter Winners Club side had reached pretty high levels that we needed to think about splitting them somehow just to be able to better serve both areas. And so it was the right timing until COVID hit. (laughs) So um, that posed certainly some big challenges. Um, But we ended up evolving our team. We had staff in both of those areas, and then we merged the two areas into one unit called Student Athlete and Letter Winner Engagement. So my work, I think what's different in talking with peers is a lot of people originate in the student athlete development side. I originate in the letter winner engagement or athletic alumni engagement side so that the long-term picture is really the priority and the focus. And we all know that money is what makes our industry go round. And so cultivating relationships for the purpose of truly growing relationships, it's not the philanthropic side is a is a piece because we have to we know that it has to be part of the picture, but it's not the goal. The goal is to get people reconnected. Well, I think, I think it's really interesting, and, and I think one of the things I'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit more about is you, you identified that as you were going through the research process, you found some interesting data, and that interesting data sort of led you guys to reevaluate how you approach both your student athletes and your relationships with your letter winners. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because it sounds like that really was a critical domino that had to fall in order to make, have decision makers reevaluate how they approach their 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 engagement of in relationship to their student athletes. Absolutely. So the overwhelming response nationally is that athletic alumni feel that they've given they've given enough to the university. So the resources, and this is historically, so, you know, the things that we do today for student athletes is very different. Every, every class, every generation is different, but, you know, they give a right shoulder or they give a knee or they give an ankle or concussions. I mean, there's just so many things health-wise that um, was identified. And then if you looked at professional athletes, they felt like, um, and this is just, this would be a summary, you know, an overview of the data is that you know, people, the university was making money on their name, image, and likeness, what we hear today of just that time where they were selling jerseys or they were selling numbers or selling tickets for some of the high revenue sports. Um, but collectively across all sports, there are less, there are more Olympic sports than revenue driven sports. And so this common theme was that athletic alumni felt like they gave enough and that without being, without having access or felt connected, feeling connected to either the program or the department at large, there wasn't a reason to give back. 
and a lot of other things contributed. So, you know, coach turnover, um, administration turnover, program loss. You know, if a program is um, cut, what does that look like? I mean, all of those athletes that were in, we have four programs at Iowa State. That's hard. That's really hard and it's really real. Um, so how you engage people that don't have a sport to come back and cheer for is a whole different conversation. Um, but just some of that data is, is what started opening my eyes to how do we really focus on creating opportunity for reconnection, creating access and creating communication between current programs and athletic alumni. I'd love to just kind of go a step further because you're obviously bringing the lens of a former student athlete of that institution. You then spent the time working with the alumni and you're gathering that data. For individuals that might not have had that the same journey as you, what are things that they can do to make that connectivity so the alumni want to give back, want to feel connected? You know, you talk about relationships and communication and programming. What are some things that can be done to help that continuation, the formation of a relationship and then the continuation. So this is where, you know, I definitely am an advocate for athletic alumni organizations, whether it's a letter winners club or a varsity organization, monogram club across the country. And I'm the executive director of the national letter winners association as well. So we get together and, and learn best practices from each other. One of the challenges is that it's not, there are not the same resources across universities of alignment and structure for letter winner or athletic alumni organizations. So for example, um, Ole Miss, they're under their alumni organization. Um, Notre Dame, they're under their development. We're under student affairs. It's different at every university. So there's not a lot of continuity in that. But I think the number one thing is find out what resources are available at your institution who are supporting athletic alumni. It could even be in the foundation. You know, it could be a liaison just for development and cultivation for philanthropic giving. Um, so find out what resources exist. But then I think where the programming is a no-brainer is in mentorship and professional connections. The student-athlete engagement aspect, I've never had anybody tell me, no, I am not interested in helping connect with a student-athlete who's interested in my industry or, or a career path that I've had success in. No one has ever told me no. So I think that's an easy, low-hanging fruit that if you've got people who are business leaders in the community, um, professional athletes who are just retiring that want to stay connected or you want to get them connected, connect them with current student-athletes that are going to respond. You know, the student-athlete side of it Connecting somebody who's not going to respond to a text or an email is not the appropriate connection. You have to have buy-in on both sides because there has to be accountability. Um, and that's where at Iowa State, it's been really helpful to oversee the programming and to be able to have autonomy in developing that programming to create touch points that allow our student athletes uh routine that they're used to through classes. So we teach two classes, uh, University Studies 101 and 303, and we've developed the curriculum to align with all of these touch points um, so that there's accountability. And then it's part of the class. And so all incoming freshmen and sophomore as they transition into Iowa State, it's the acclimation to being an NCAA Division I student athlete. It's the opportunities, it's the risks, it's the healthy choices and decision-making. It's all of those things that we know are important in student-athlete development 
in order to be successful throughout your time. And then University Studies 303 actually helps prepare for life after college. So it's that continuation and half the semester is paired with a professional connection. So those touch points in the programming, especially on the student athlete development side, you have access to influence those kinds of um, programs or offerings that then can serve as a easy connection with former athletes. Perfect. Thank you. So as you look at your athletes now, and I think one of the things that's interesting is that, like I said, having spoken to you before and understand that you have this sort of longer time horizon than I think how most people typically look at their athletes. What are the steps that you're currently taking now as you're, you know, you're talking about the courses you have, but what are some of the other things that you're doing to engage these athletes as early as you can and help establish that relationship and that foundation so that they're going to be more inclined to engage with you long run? Are there some specific tactics or, or, or strategies that you guys are implementing in order to really try and drive that long-term engagement? So I think that's where the launch of our unit, we lost our office space in 2020. Um, COVID hit seven months after we launched the program. That's where some of the challenges really, like the rubber hit the road, you know, like how do we do this when we're not in person? Um, We are not even all in the same location as a team. We can't see each other. You know, there's so many things that that hit us hard. We focused during that time, we focused on our systems. And so having a system in place that allowed us to essentially document qualitative data um, in a quantitative measure. So, for example, career meetings, you know, a student athlete wants to come in and meet with you. Um, We set up our office in a sport liaison model, just like academics does or marketing does, you know, of supporting certain sports so that we can build that relationship with the coaches, but also the student athletes. Student athletes can sign up to have career meetings or we'll just go in if if somebody stops in and we'll fill that out. So it's it's just a, a data point, a benchmark or a metric that we can you know, just recognize annually. Um, I think the communication aspect is really hard, but one of the keys that we've learned over the years through trial and error to be totally transparent is SAC, Student Athlete Advisory Committee. When things are driven by your student athletes, the engagement is higher, the buy-in is greater, um, the participation is greater, and the culture at large is different. When you mandate programs or you mandate um, attendance at things, you don't have that same level of engagement. People are just doing it because they're told they have to do it. Um, And so we may have smaller groups in different settings for things, but the people that are signing up are there because they want to be there. Uh, So, And then we've learned to, in using SAC meetings, more for action-based engagement strategies versus just talking at people, you know, bringing in a speaker just to bring in a speaker isn't what they want anymore. And so we've really listened and then implemented the things that our student athletes are telling us are important to them. Mental health, um, opportunities to grow diversity, equity, inclusion. And what does that look like? You know, like, what does it actually look like at Iowa State? It could be different than other universities. And so I feel like our role is to take the information that our student athletes are providing us and find ways in which we can support them and bring awareness to things that 
they're telling us are important to them and advocate, you know, advocate for them. As, as a former student athlete, are there things that you wish or services you wish you had in place that would have helped with your transition that you now try to provide to those current student athletes as well as, as letter winners? Oh, absolutely. You know, like it used to be like student athlete advisory committee used to be one person from every team. And some schools are still set up that way. At Iowa State, we open it up to anybody can be involved. We have an executive board that's a leadership opportunity, but anybody can get involved. I think access to leadership opportunities is something that's very different today than it was when I was competing. Um, And so if people want to be involved or want to grow in understanding, you know, leadership roles or just sitting at the table, right? It's the access and the opportunity of learning in different environments that you otherwise wouldn't have available to you. That's what SAC can provide. Um, You know, that's something that I, I would have loved to be part of. But at that time, coaches would select one person to represent the whole team. And that information oftentimes didn't even get shared back. Um, And then transitioning out, you know, you're, especially the identity of student athletes. I think that's something that we often talk about in various platforms is you've been competing in your sport for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years to the point in which you are done in college. And if you're not going to continue on and play professionally, or there's an opportunity to play professionally, that piece of your identity is totally different. You are no longer competing at an elite level. Um, and you have to kind of reimagine yourself and, and kind of redefine what, how, what is going to fill that role. I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared for that. I didn't understand how to interview companies to align their values with my values. And I learned very quickly in my first job that there was not an alignment and I was miserable and I was miserable sitting at a, at a desk all day long, right? Those things that you don't think about, but then if you can learn from somebody who, you know, has a professional connection or in mentorship, yeah, this was hard for me too. These were some things that helped me as I started gaining more traction in an industry. Um, I think all of those learning from experiences are really valuable. And that was also kind of the catapult from my master's program. So I did the educational leadership and policy studies was it just helped. It helped me understand differently how you recognize and understand learning preferences and development practices. And so the application when I went into that master's program was not to get into student athlete development. That was not even on the radar at that time, but it's definitely equipped me with a new level of understanding that we apply into our programs today. And and how great you can share those experiences with your student athletes that, you know, here are the things I didn't do correctly or I didn't think about. Um, transition was difficult and I'm here to help assist with your transition. You know, often we learn from our, mis- our mistakes, not necessarily from our successes. And if we're able to turn that into a valuable lesson to share with others, it, it definitely is a win-win. Absolutely. So many things I wish I would have known. <laughs> There's so many things I wish I knew now, and I still don't know. Same. What's going on, right? Holy cow. Well, I think it's kind of an interesting perspective as you kind of start riffing on it from that perspective. And I guess as you guys are in the process now of sort of, well, hopefully like everybody is, is sort of nosing up out of COVID, 
where are you beginning to reemphasize your approach to reengaging your your student athletes? How, how has that process been as we sort of come out of the pandemic? You know, we so I actually had a meeting this morning with our new Letter Winners Club president and our president elect. Of I feel like this is the first year out of the last three years that our unit has even existed that we can strategize. And um, I totally geek out when it gets to these kinds of opportunities because I just I love the strategy. I love the connections. I love the opportunities of being able to make meaningful connections for people at large. Right. So that looks different in different programming. But in the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's access and opportunity. What can we do to provide access and opportunity for our student athletes? What can we do to provide access and opportunity for our athletic alumni? And where there's alignment in those two areas, how do we facilitate relationships and connections? And by keeping those very simple, people, when we have visibility now too, we actually have a dedicated space that people can come back to. Um, We've had so many people, you know, legends at Iowa State come back. you know, like George Nang is coming back. Uh, Alan Lazard is here in Iowa. He's, you know, wide receiver for the Packers. And he comes in and stops in to say hi. And we've got student athletes that are in the office. Like those are the kinds of things that organically happen now because of space. Um, Monte Morris stopped in. Uh, he's He just got traded to the Washington Wizards and needed to do a press conference. Uh, so we set him up in one of our spaces to be able to facilitate that. How can we provide access and opportunity to the needs that anybody that comes through here has. And that's what we focus on. So from your perspective, is this something that has been driven from the grassroots or is this coming top down? Because I think it's an interesting, as we sort of pull the thread on this is, it seems like you, it's a lot of it's data driven, but I'm curious, what's really driving this sort of approach um, in terms of how you guys are, are electing to go after your your former and active student athletes? You know, that's really interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, I would say it's grassroots, but I would say that I've got the support. You know, I mean, if Jamie didn't believe in what I was presenting, he wouldn't have gotten on board to say, yes, we'll put these resources together. So there's certainly been support in that aspect. We've had some changeover in senior leadership in the student affairs unit. Uh, And so we'll actually be welcoming Shamari Brown um, onto staff. And I know Stephanie, you know him and, you know, I'm excited to get to know him more. Uh, And I think just his perspective and opportunities at a conference level with the ACC in bringing those resources of seeing what schools are doing, will be able to help us grow with, an area that like we've built it from the grassroots, but now we're kind of needing some, some more opportunities from a leadership standpoint. I think he's the right person to do that. So uh, I think it's been a mix. I don't know if that's a fair question, but I think it's been a mix. Well, no, it's always interesting to hear, right. In terms of sort of what drives a lot of these different engagement uh, pathways for, for student athletes. And, you know, is it coming from top down and that, the, as you said, the leadership really sees that this is absolutely critical to the broader institution as a whole, or is it coming from just simply the demand that is that exists within the, the student athlete community, both former and active? And it's always sort of interesting to see how that plays out. We've always taken a conservative approach at Iowa State with let's do this, let's do something, 
and have success or have results before we talk about it. And I go back and forth on whether that's the right approach or not. You know, I think it's important, especially in this industry, to be on the leading edge at different times of being able to share the things that you're doing. Um, but I will say now, and, and I think the last three years have just been so unique because of COVID and the limitations and, you know, everything that we've experienced and the changing landscape. Oh, my goodness. The changing landscape from 2019 to today is drastically different, um, which means the needs of our student athletes are drastically different. You know, NIL has been introduced. We've got the transfer portal. There are so many things that we now have to adjust to. Um, but but being able to just recognize where you're at each each year and then what those opportunities are to continue growing and meeting the needs at your school, but learning from peers there. I love what PADS is doing and, you know, other professional organizations of bringing people together to learn from each other. That's that that's our curriculum. That is exactly what my master's program emphasized was learning from experiences, learning from other people. Um, you don't need to recreate the wheel on things, you know, find out what people are doing, but then implement it to fit the needs at your university. And I love what you guys stand for and just doing that, you know, bringing these people together to share what works and what doesn't work and what you learn along the way. It's all about standing on the shoulder of giants, right? That's at the end of the day. That's what we're basically doing. Steph and I. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm 10 feet tall, right? There you go. Um, Lindsay, so you, you talked about, you know, when you're doing your programming or you're bringing in speakers, you're, you're not just bringing someone in to speak. You know, you're trying to be thoughtful and mindful of meeting the needs of your student athletes, of your letter winners. Can you share a program that you're proud of, um, that you've been able to determine a need and then um, successfully meet that need, especially given the last three years with the craziness of COVID? Yeah, you know, I think um, on the student athlete development side, coming up with the cyclone journey was something that definitely happened organically because, I mean, for the last 10 years, I've been speaking at graduations just as a way of connecting to the letter winners organization as we're here to support you now that you're done. You know, you you go every day talking to somebody in the athletics department, you graduate and you leave this university and like, that's all different. Right. I mean, there's just some of those kinds of things. So we've been talking about, you know, your cyclone journey and your cyclone journey doesn't end because when we say once a cyclone, always a cyclone, we really mean it. And that's where that access back to tickets or the access to games, access to programs is part of that, that culture. And so developing that culture, I'm really proud of. Um, but I couldn't have done it without our members and the people that have bought in, I mean, our leadership from our Hall of Fame selection committee, our Letter Winners Club board, like they have supported me all along the way. And we've done it together. Like we've definitely done it together. Um, on the student athlete development side, the creation of the cyclone journey as a roadmap or a framework. And I had sent Devin, um, you know, the document, the PDF document that has just kind of what I'm talking about. It talks through self-awareness, career exploration, and life after trans life after college as those three transitions. And so it's great to just say, yep, we do these things along the way, but then actually having real, I wouldn't just use data just to throw out data, but like data points of impact 
um, job attainment, you know, like putting in those systems that can track the efforts, but it's emphasizing individual responsibility because I'm not going to chase you down. You know, if, if you don't want to meet with me, you don't want to meet with me. I'm not going to make you do that. Um, I have too many other things to do. And so applying that individual responsibility as an expectation is really important just for my sanity. <laughs> I think our staff's sanity. Um, but then we celebrate when people land an internship, they land a full-time job. Um, you know, we had a, a recent graduate who was unhappy where he was and he got, he got back on the phone and said, what do I do next? I said, you've already done it. You just have to replicate the process. And he found another great job, right? So it's like being there, creating that culture of support is something I never had. You know, I was here and my coach at the time said, there's no room for alumni in my program. What? <laughs> what? You know, so I stopped going to games. That's, that's super heartwarming right there. Super oh my gosh, but that was, that was what we experienced. That was the culture. And so to change that culture where people, we want people back. We genuinely want people back and I can facilitate that. I'm really proud of that on both sides. So that, sorry, that's a long-winded answer, Stephanie, but I think there's two different applications and how we do that, but it's the concept of establishing that welcoming culture that is genuine, that I'm proud of. I don't think it's long-winded. I think you're helping to paint a picture for people that are, you know, try to, trying to create an environment that's similar that is is finding success. So I think when you provide a fuller picture, it, it's helpful to people that are listening. And to that end, actually, I mean, as you're talking and, you know, obviously we've had a chance to connect before and, and I'm not familiar with a lot of organizations uh, or at the NCAA level that do it the way you guys do it in terms of sort of trying to bridge the world. Is this common or is this a relatively, you know, new approach or, or is this something that maybe you, like you said, you identified and, and are, are trying to replicate it in your environment? Because again, this doesn't seem common to me. It's not. I'd say it's very unique. Um, there are other schools that have letter winner engagement or varsity engagement or athletic alumni engagement paired with student athlete development or student affairs under gen in general. Um, Rutgers is set up this way uh, with Kate Hickey. Uh, let's see. Um, Pitt is set up this way. Um, but there's few few schools and I don't know of anybody, I guess, that have been involved in the National Letter Winners Association that was driven from the athletic alumni approach. Everything seems, and, and being involved in N4A as well, like everything seems to be driven from the student athlete development side or the student affairs side. And then there's a liaison that maybe connects with, you know, former athletes into the programming or they'll partner on very specific events, which is what we started out as, you know, where we would partner with people. But the seamless, the seamless integration of the two units, I would say we are very unique nationally in doing. And I think as I've, you know, so many of the conferences this summer, we've gotten to be back in person and it's been really valuable to have that face-to-face -face interaction and learning environments and breakout sessions and all of that. Um, is the long-term goal is to keep your athletic alumni connected for everybody, right? Like you're an athlete at a school. And so you've chosen that school. Athletic athletes choose the school because of the athletic program. Yes, it could be in partnership and an equal partnership or equal, 
importance to your um, your degree that you're wanting to pursue as well, if that's unique at your respective institution, but you choose the school for the athletic opportunities. So when you are here for the college of business and you've got graduates, they continue to cultivate and follow your journey as a professional. We as an industry don't do that in athletics. And so athletic alumni organizations that do follow their athletic alumni journeys in their success, you know, in professional sport, um, in education, in, you know, the business world, corporate world, and be able to continue to celebrate and bring awareness to that, I think is key because now you're doing exactly what is proven to be valuable at the alumni association level or the IS, or for us, the Iowa State Foundation level of cultivating those relationships for success after college. We just have to do it in the athletic industry. Um, but there's some of the highest affinity because we know what goes into athletics. We know what the demands are. We know, you know, the sacrifices that are made as athletes at a division one, division two collegiate level, you know, so we know those things. And so when you can at least understand and come together around, yeah, this, this is, significant and people that are in their journeys today, they have access, access to different things. But at the end of the day, you're going to forget, you're not going to know the wins and losses at large. You're going to remember the teammates, the relationships, the, the things that you took away from that experience in life. And so for somebody 20 years out, 30 years out that can come back and make that very genuine, authentic relationship connection, um, everybody wins. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think the the perception that I think a lot of athletes have that have competed at the NCAA level, and you've already kind of talked about this, is that the relationship is extractive. You know, you are giving me, uh, you know, you're giving me a scholarship, you're giving me an education. Yeah, true. But then, like you said, my time demands are radically different than any other uh, student on campus. Physically, I'm putting myself at, you know, at risk on a day in, day out basis. And then at the end of the day, you guys, like you said, we don't want you around. I have no room for alumni in my program. And hey, how about making a donation to the athletic department? So I, I think that's really a, a great point that it is extractive. And I love the fact that you guys have this unique mo model because, again, I think it really is going to be the new way things are done because this idea of extractive relationships on athletes is no longer going to hold up and people are going to expect more from their institutions, if they're, like you say, they're giving themselves to these institutions over the long run. So I think it's lights out approach. When you think about like NIL collectives, you know, or um, sport specific uh, funds that endowments, you know, I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know how much student debt I would have walked away with if it wasn't for my athletic talents that earned me and education. You know, I earned two degrees from this university because of soccer. And I will forever be grateful for that opportunity and what my parents did to sacrifice at that level to, you know, provide me these opportunities. Um, but again, like it's a business, you know, playing collegiate athletics, playing professional athletics. Um, it's a business. It sometimes takes away the fun, right? Because of the sacrifice. But when you do have that drive, and that competition, um, the motivation to continually improve, those are transferable skills that athletes have that are very attractive to employers. 
And we talk about that a lot in student athlete development is what are those transferable skills that you have? Um, but they have to practice articulating it because having them is one thing, but articulating them is a completely different skill. And so that's where some of those kinds of things that we can focus on through the programming that we now have influence into, we get to hear from the Seneca Wallaces, the Keith Sims, the, um, you know, just so Lisa Cole, an Olympian, you know, people that have come back that have been able to say, I learned this because of my time at Iowa State. And this is how it supported me through X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, negotiating contracts, especially for like, you know, golf, running, um, golf and track and cross country, like those are lifestyle uh, athletics, lifestyle um, sports. And so the opportunities for sponsorship, um, once you're done, there's just, it opens a whole new different um, set of conversations that when people are successful in those fields or have had success or have learned the hard way, like I've learned so many things the hard way, uh, then you get to share those experiences and you feel like, you know, I guess I should say for myself, I feel like my, my, the things that I had gaps in have come full circle. So it's actually sort of healing for me as well, right. Of being able to then influence or support the next generation to learn from the things that I didn't take advantage of or that I didn't learn from. Um, at the time. So I, that's also a really unique component of having a seamless integration between these two units or these two areas into a unit because you really do capture those opportunities for um, learning and learning from others. And, you know, you think about just differences and some of the current events that are country has, you know, faced in the last three years too, of like, how do we bring people together? We're oftentimes more alike than we are different. Um, but it requires people to step out of their comfort zone and sometimes, you know, share things that are more vulnerable, but then you realize that, wow, this is, this is real. I experienced that too, but in this context. And, um, so those are the kinds of things that also happen because of the seamless integration. Just um, kind of one last question from from me before we wrap up. You know, you mentioned that this this unit was to launch and, and COVID hit and the last three years have been very unique for all of us. But during that time, there was probably some unique opportunities to think and plan and, and strategize. Um, and now is the opportunity for you to implement and put things in place. So as you look forward, what are you excited about? What are you hoping to accomplish say in, in the next 18 months, now that things are starting to normalize and you're able to interact and interface with your student athletes, your colleagues, um, you know, so on and so forth. So moving forward. A couple things. Um, we at Iowa State have four sports that are no longer competing. Baseball, men's swimming, diving, men's tennis, and men's gymnastics. Um, whenever we have championship reunions that allow us to re-engage people from those sports at an all-time level, it's healing, right? And you remember, again, those relationships and the people, um, the hurt is still there and the hurt will always be there. But being able to provide the environment and the atmosphere to host and really take care of people is, is special. It's important. Um, the strategy 
of the last three years in developing systems have allowed us to now create benchmarks and metrics that we can track annually. Um, we haven't even talked about like community service. We've developed a um, service learning model to re-engage more of the outputs um, to just signing up and checking the box of saying, yep, I'll go to this place and you know be present, but really not understand what I'm doing. Uh, so the service learning model connects kind of the learning piece to what you're signing up for from a community service standpoint. Well, your economic impact to a local community is a significant number when you multiply the number of hours collectively that all student athletes have served over the year to, you know, what um, we partner with United Way here in Ames and they use the Maryland's Good Do Good Institute. Um, I think this year it's like $29.95 is the quantity for a volunteer hour. You multiply, you know, 2000 hours times that, that's a huge number for economic impact. Uh, Charles Small, who is now the AD at Valparaiso, uh, he helped really instill those benchmarks and metrics that we can start to collect annually. And so having access to that is huge um, that I think will allow us to write some white papers and it will allow us to essentially create best practices over the models that we've implemented here that others can benefit from. Um, and then also just the awareness of what schools are are seeing what we're doing and saying, hey, I want to I want to do this, too. How can we how can we connect? Um, I am always happy to connect with people um, and share the best practices because we don't compete, you know, like we don't compete like recruiting competes, you know, or programs compete. We can share best practices. And that's what you guys have brought together as well through this organization is we can share best practices. Don't recreate the wheel. Let's just learn from each other and implement where it works. Perfect. Thank you. Duncan, anything else you want to add? No, that's probably the, a great place to wrap it up. I think, uh, again, some real interesting insight. I think the the fact that what you guys are doing is pretty unique is worth a look from some of the other organizations that are, you know, that follow the follow pads should really kind of look at how you guys are approaching it. Because I think it's more in line with really good outcomes for 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 first human beings and then secondly for, for student athletes. So Again, thank you for taking the time today. Again, folks, Assistant Athletics Director of Student Athlete and Letter Winner Engagement uh, for Iowa State Athletics. On behalf of our global partners, Lindsay Long, thanks a ton for talking to us today. Thank you for inviting me. It was fun to share. Awesome.